You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk about quitting. But first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Abby? I just finished up a stint of solo parenting that went surprisingly well. Hmm. Andrew was out of town for a meeting, and Plum and I were straight chilling for three days. One of the days she had school, but the other two she did not. And I am very proud of myself for both not feeling like I needed to keep her entertained Mm -hmm. and her for entertaining herself. That sounds like the best outcome. Yep. It's getting easier as she gets older, for sure. Indeed. What's new with you, Sarah? I also want to talk about a parenting situation. This weekend, we are going to be camping Mm. and... We were originally supposed to go back in October, but we hadn't gotten a freeze and the mosquitoes were really awful. Oh, yeah. To the point where the people who own the retreat center texted me and said, you might want to reconsider camping because it's so horrible. And they had canceled another event that weekend because they were so bad. Wow. I was on the fence, but then ultimately we decided if people were going to be sad and miserable, that wouldn't make for a good camping experience. Totally. It was hard to find another weekend that... Both us and the other family we were camping with were free. Mm. And it turned out to be this weekend, which the low is 23 and the high is 37, which isn't horrible, but it's pretty cold. Yeah. (laughs) Wish us luck. I can report back in the future. We plan to drink lots of hot chocolate, sit by the fire, and have many sleeping bags and blankets. (laughs) Sounds perfect. Let's move into what we've been reading. What's your latest book? I just finished Mistborn, The Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson. And this is the first book of a fantasy fiction trilogy, which follows Vin, a young woman with powers she doesn't understand at first. So that's sort of the setup. What I liked best about it, to be honest, is that Andrew read this before I did, so we could talk about it. Mm. And that hardly ever happens for us. I know that's something you and Neil do a lot, but Mm -hmm. Andrew's genre of books is very specific, but luckily this fit in. (laughs) It's a book club book for me, but I recommended it to him because it's an author that he's read before. So he read it first and then I read it. Okay. And it's pretty good. It has good world building. The unanswered questions that the characters face also help drive the story forward for the reader. That was kind of a nice parallel. I liked the ending. It is not super neat and tidy, Mm -hmm. but it is really satisfying. And it also paves the way for wanting to read the next book in the trilogy, which I already have on hold at the library. And Andrew has already read as well. Are all three books out or? They are. These are older. So early 2000s, I think, is when they came out. Okay. So they're all available, which is another nice thing. You don't have to wait Mm -hmm. for the next one. Neil likes reading this kind of genre, but he gets really angry when it's not complete at the time and he has to wait a long time for the final book. Yeah. Andrew read a series like this by Robert Jordan called the Wheel of Time series. Mm -hmm. And Robert Jordan passed away before he finished the Mm -hmm. series. Mm -hmm. And so then the author of this book, Brandon Sanderson, stepped in with the help of his widow to finish it. Interesting. Yeah, which is good that it got finished, but also something that's really frustrating, I think. Mm -hmm. Yep. So in terms of what I didn't like about the book, I think I would have liked a little bit more complexity in the characters. 
So there were a lot of them, and most were fairly stereotyped, good or bad, Mm -hmm. without a lot of dimensionality. Would have loved larger roles for women, even though the main character is a woman. Basically, everyone around her is men, with the exception of maybe two women who are one-dimensional. So if you're putting together a crew of people in a book, maybe include a few more women next time. Brandon Sanderson. Mm-hmm. But I would recommend it. I think it's solid fantasy fiction. If this is a genre you enjoy, you'll probably enjoy it. Sounds good. What have you been reading, Sarah? I just finished listening to Another Country by James Baldwin. This is a classic novel that my book club chose that, to be honest, I was avoiding reading. I originally got the hard copy and did not finish it before I had to return it. But then a friend recommended the audiobook. And once I started listening to it, I was hooked. Nice. It was written in the early 60s, and it follows the lives of five characters in New York City. It is very character and not plot driven. It's a commentary about race and sexuality in society at large. Hmm. I like challenging myself to read something I normally wouldn't. Book clubs are so amazing for this. Yes. It's a book that I'm really glad that I had read, but I would not have picked it up and made it all the way through if it were just for my own edification. It made me think a lot about what has changed. Spoiler, not enough. (laughs) And how many things really rang true that felt as if it could have been written today. Wow. I did not love any of the characters, but that surprisingly did not take away from the book for me. Hmm. They were all so complicated and made lots of questionable choices, but each choice was for a reason in moving the story forward, and it made me want to know more about what they were thinking and what they would do next, and all of their lives were so intertwined and seeing how one choice cascaded through the group and affected Mm. the other people within it. Mm Mm-hmm. I would recommend it, especially the audiobook. It's one that I'm glad I'm reading with my book club because I think I'm going to get so much more out of it from our discussion, as there were just so many layers to the story. Nice. Our main segment today is about quitting. Quitting can often have a negative connotation in the ways that we first learn about it and how we don't want to be a quitter. Right. But I also think there are a lot of positives to it in terms of feeling freedom from something that was potentially weighing you down. Mm Mm-hmm. What has your experience around quitting been, and has that evolved over time? I am strongly in favor of quitting. (laughs) I have quit things throughout my life, maybe more so lately than earlier, (laughs) but I think I've never been quitting averse. (laughs) One of my favorite episodes of the podcast Freakonomics is called The Upside of Quitting, and in it they discuss this idea of the sunk cost fallacy, which is when you put so much time into something that you feel as though you'll be losing out if you walk away. Mm-hmm. And they talk about that it is a fallacy so that it's actually better sometimes to leave something behind. Right. I think about that episode and that idea a lot. And I try to avoid feeling like there are going to be sunk costs mm. and really look at if something is serving me currently, mm-hmm. regardless of the time that I've put in or effort or whatever in the past. What's your perspective on quitting? I also love quitting. (laughs) Unless other people are counting on me, I see very little reason to continue something that is no longer adding value to my life. And really, even if people are counting on me, then I just feel like I need to give enough notice so that Mm -hmm. they can pass on responsibilities to somebody else. 
essentially, I think quitting is the best. (laughs) (laughs) What have been some of the defining quitting or not quitting moments in your life? So the first one that came to mind for me is a not quitting. And that's that Mm -hmm. I did not quit grad school, even though I strongly considered it many times. I remember. Throughout the years and years that Mm -hmm. I was in grad school. I mean, even to the point where I went to an open house at the Vanderbilt School of Nursing to learn about their midwifery program to see if I should leave and do that instead. Mm -hmm. And it's something that was an ongoing discussion with my therapist at the time as well. But really, I think what made the difference for me was that I had this friend who did quit in my lab. She was a dear friend. She and I really connected. And she left. And when I saw her do that, every time I considered quitting myself, I compared my experience to hers. And I thought, she quit. Mm -hmm. And she had these reasons. Are my reasons maybe as valid as hers? I'm not even quite sure what my thought process was, but I Mm -hmm. so strongly contrasted our experiences in my mind. And I just kept going. Hmm. I don't regret that one bit. I use my PhD all the time in my work now, mm-hmm. and it has gotten me a lot of places. And so I'm thankful that I didn't. I think I am on the path that I'm on, and it's great, and it works for me. But it also was a hugely defining thing that I could have quit and done something else, mm-hmm. and I didn't. And it's hard to know that at the moment, because we had a lot of conversations as you were thinking through the pros and cons as well. And at the time, you couldn't imagine your current career path, right? that you were on a different trajectory and the idea that you'd be using your PhD for something totally different that would be Mm -hmm. really fulfilling to you wasn't as clear at that time, which I think in retrospect makes it easy to see how that was the right thing, but at the time was was much more challenging. Yes. It's all hindsight now Mm -hmm. that I appreciate the things that I did. At the time, I was miserable a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And I think quitting would have been a good choice if that's the choice that I made but it wasn't. Right. It's interesting to think if you had quit, would you be telling a different story that also validates the choice that you made because it led you to wherever you would have been? Probably because I usually feel very validated in my choices. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) (laughs) What's a defining quitting moment for you, Sarah? My first one is about quitting gymnastics when I was in eighth grade. The year before I quit, I made the decision to switch to a gym that was more rigorous that I thought might help me fulfill my dreams and take the next step in my gymnastics career, Uh as limited as that might have been. (laughs) It was more intense, and I think it really clarified things for me. I started having a lot of back pain. There was a lot of social drama there, and the hours that I was required to be there really increased. Mm -hmm. And that summer, I went to an expensive gymnastics camp in Wisconsin. And while I was there, my back was really bothering me. Side note, My experience in gymnastics was that it was a really toxic environment for people toughing things out that they should not. Ooh, yeah. I felt like I had to keep that a secret, which is really troubling to me looking back on it. Yeah. Because my parents would have never let me continue if they knew my body was hurting. Yes. And I had a moment when I was there and I just said, I'm never doing another backbend again. It turns out there was one more practice. I thought that was the last practice. I said I was sick Uh and didn't go to the last one, chilled out in the dorm. Awesome. (laughs) Got home, told my mom I wanted to quit. I was nervous going into that conversation because it's something my family had invested a lot of money in, including just sending me to an expensive gymnastics camp. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
But I think she was actually relieved when we talked Mm. about it later that it was getting more intense. It was putting a lot more demands on us. And so for her, I think she was happy to move on to something else. Looking back on it, I can see that I waited much too long to quit when I should have done it sooner. So that's really what I've taken away from that experience is trusting myself and knowing that it's not because I'm a quitter, but because something is no longer right for me and to not prolong things that should end and letting them have a more graceful ending instead of getting to that point where it was so problematic. And where your only option is to quit at that point. Mm -hmm. Another defining moment was deciding to quit AP Euro at semester my senior year. Mm. I was taking a lot of academically intense classes and quite literally did not have time to complete all of the work assigned in the limited hours I had. And I was insistent that I could handle it and do it. And it became really clear that I couldn't. Mm. I was so nervous talking to the teachers because she gave this big spiel right before about how she wasn't going to sign any transfer forms and not to come up to her asking her. And she was a very intimidating teacher. But I also knew that I needed to do that. And when I went up and talked to her while crying, her demeanor immediately changed. And she said, oh, of course, absolutely. This sounds like the right thing and was completely supportive. And I think that experience helped me see that I could push through the intimidation factor and the authority figure factor and know this is still what's right for me. And even if Mm. this person is making it more challenging for me to do this and suggesting that it's not the right choice, in the end, people want what is best for me. Mm. And I'm so glad I made that choice. It made my last semester of senior year much more balanced than it would have been otherwise. That's so interesting. Why do you think she was so intent on people not quitting? Hmm. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if she had had an experience with lots of people doing that, that she felt really should have stuck with it, Mm. that they were quitting because it was hard or because it was our last year and wanting an easy last semester in a negative way, as opposed to this is really damaging my quality of life and I am losing my grip on my emotions and myself trying to take on this much. Right. And I think when I talked to her, it was really clear that in my case, the harder choice was quitting, Mm. not sticking with it, Mm. as opposed to encouraging kids to complete challenging things. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you have another defining quitting moment to share? I do. And it's quitting my postdoc. And this is one where it doesn't necessarily look like I quit because I was doing this postdoc at Duke. Mm -hmm. I had been there for a year. I had written a job description for a more permanent job that I wanted within the program I was in because I wanted to stay and do the work that I was doing because I loved it. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of my first year of my postdoc, they interviewed me for that job and someone else and gave the job to that other person. Mm -hmm. This is a situation not unlike your gymnastics story, really, where it was just really toxic Mm -hmm. and it was taking over my life in really negative ways. And that is maybe the point at which I should have quit. Right. But... I was also newly pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so I stayed through my pregnancy with Plum. And then I made no plans for childcare for her, even though I had something like two months left of my postdoc after my maternity leave. And I said, 
I'll just go for two weeks because we had my mom coming for two weeks and Andrew doing a week of his parental leave. And so we had those two weeks covered. I was like, after that, I'll just quit. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. They let me bring Plum to work. Yeah. Which was amazing. But in looking back on it, I think that it might have been better for me had I left after that first year. Mm -hmm. Because the postdoc was only ever going to be a year anyway. And when they didn't give me the job, I said, well, I'll stay on as a postdoc. Right. I mean, that would have been a much harder financial decision. But I do wonder the difference it would have made in my mental health during Mm -hmm. my first pregnancy. And I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I had high blood pressure all through my pregnancy, sort of off and on, sometimes at home. But mostly when I went to see the midwives, I would have high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And that's not been my experience this pregnancy. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because I am not in that toxic work environment anymore. I'm doing work that's much more fulfilling where I feel seen and like I'm contributing and like I'm appreciated and still intellectually fulfilled. And so I just look back and wonder if that's something I should have done sooner. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of that two years, there really was no other option. Another postdoc was about to come in. Right. So it wasn't like I was really doing it on my own terms. Yeah. But I also wonder how different it would have been to have stepped back sooner. And maybe that you could have been finding more of the work you're doing now than if you've been dedicating yourself to it full time at that point. Yes. And that it might have made a really big difference in sort of the financial challenges that we faced Hmm. in Plum's early life. Mm -hmm. That's something where I have a lot of what ifs in my mind about that quitting situation. Sarah, do you have an example about not quitting something that shaped your life? The not quitting moment I am most proud of is during my year studying abroad. Mm. I decided to study abroad for a whole year. And in January, after my family left, was emotionally the hardest time I can think of in my life to date. Mm. I knew that it was something I wanted to do and finish, but I felt such an intense loneliness then. I had only been there for three months at that point and had seven left to go. Wow. And in that moment, it felt really hard to imagine staying because I felt so unhappy. But it was also a dream of mine to complete this year abroad. And I think I recognized even in the moment that going back to Hendrix wasn't going to solve my problems. Mm. That I was imagining that things would be easier someplace else when sometimes it's just hard in a different way. Yeah. It was a huge turning point for me because after that point is when I really got connected to the people I became friends with and had amazing travel experiences and had some of the best months of my life after that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something I can look back on as seeing that low moment and trusting that life wasn't suddenly going to be easier if I hopped on a plane. Right. And trying to go through it instead of out. And it's an experience I reflect back on a lot. Mm -hmm. What about quitting regrets? Have you quit something that you look back on now and wish that you'd stuck it out? Definitely piano. Mm. So I quit piano in sixth grade right after I had started playing the French horn. Mm -hmm. In my mind at that time, I justified it that I had this other music thing happening. And I played the French horn for a long time and really enjoyed that. But I do feel really regretful that I quit piano because I would love to be able to play it Mm -hmm. now. It's not too late. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Time-wise. 
But the other reason that I feel so regretful about quitting is because the reason that I quit is not because I wasn't making progress or even because I wasn't enjoying it. It was because my four years younger sister was already playing at the same level I was, even Mm. though she'd started much later. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about Audrey on the podcast. She composed our podcast music. Turns out she's somewhat of a musical genius. (laughs) So (laughs) so maybe if I had thought about it in those terms, I would have Mm -hmm. said, I can still enjoy playing the piano, Mm -hmm. even as my younger sister surpasses me. But at that point, I couldn't handle it. And I wish that I had weathered that a little bit better. I think it would take an incredible amount of maturity for a sixth grader to be able to see through those emotions and continue. Maturity that I did not possess. (laughs) Sarah, do you have quitting regrets? Mine is also a musical instrument, which is quitting the violin. I can't even remember exactly when I quit. I think it might have also been in sixth grade. (laughs) Turbulent time for sticking with instruments. Yes. I regret it, not because I wish I was able to play the violin now, even though Mm -hmm. that would be great if I could. (laughs) I regret it because I think it would have been a really great social scene for me to be a part of later. Mm. I wish that I had been part of orchestra or band as so many of my friends were in that. And I always felt a bit on the outside because I didn't play a band or orchestra instrument. I continued with piano, which is a wonderful instrument to know, but doesn't have that social aspect to it that you get playing with a group in high school. Yeah, not in the same way. And looking back on how it happened that I quit violin gives me a lot of respect for my parents in trying to set boundaries and teach me about quitting at a young age. Mm. It was not that I didn't want to play, although might have to fact check this with my family, as I'm sure my memory (laughs) of it is quite different from theirs. I remember my mom telling me that I needed to quit something, that there was too much. At that point, I was doing gymnastics multiple days a week. I was playing piano. I had church youth group and the violin. And that something had to give. And I think that showed me that it's not about whether you enjoy something, but that sometimes you just need less on your plate, Mm. even if they're all good things. And I think that can be a hard message to embrace. And it's definitely one I want to impart to my kids. Yeah. We talked about that a lot on the simplicity episode of limiting our activities. And it's not because I think activities are bad. It's because I think too many of them takes away from that balance and and people feeling like their best selves. It's hard to have that perspective when you're a kid. Right. So I appreciate that my parents were able to see that and say this isn't working for you or for our family, and you need to make some choices. Hmm. Do you have any not quitting regrets, things that you did for too long when quitting would have really been the better option? So nothing like activities stuck out for me quite as much, but when I think back... There are definitely friendships, especially Mm. ones in high school, where I wish I would have walked away sooner than I did, Mm -hmm. where I stuck with something and it felt like no one was really happy in the friendship, you know, least of all me. Right. That in some cases things fizzled naturally, but in others it was slow and painful and awkward. Like you were talking about quitting gymnastics or like me thinking about leaving my postdoc. Mm Mm-hmm. It got to this point where there's really no way that we were going to continue the friendship, that it really was not serving anybody. But then that made this sort of dramatic, yes, hurtful ending where if I had just stepped back little by little, 
or even made a clean break sooner that it would have been better for everyone, especially me. Mm -hmm. There are several really that come to mind even now, friendships like that. And I did that over and over because I think it's a really hard lesson to learn. Yes. But now I feel so empowered around my ability to realize when a friendship or relationship isn't serving me and being able to step back. I can relate to a lot of what you're saying. And I think with early friendships, it's so hard to have that perspective that more people will come into your life and more friendships are waiting for you and having Mm. that sense of abundance around friendships. Yeah. And I know in the past I've held on much too tightly because I was afraid to let go Mm -hmm. because I didn't have the experience to see the bigger picture in the way that I do now. Yeah. And to see that when you let go of something that's not serving you, it makes space for something that serves you better to come in. Exactly. So I totally relate to the fear. My other, you know, where I took too long (laughs) to quit something is two different book clubs that I was part of shortly after we moved to North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I stayed in those book clubs because I did not feel like I had the social network that I needed. Right. But neither one of them was right for me. And I felt annoyed about going to them. And it wasn't ever toxic in the way that some of these other things that we've talked about have been. But it was just like, why am I wasting my time interacting with this group of people when I'm not sure they're enjoying me that much? And I'm certainly not enjoying them. Mm -hmm. But it's scary to be somewhere new and to think, okay, if I quit this book club, am I ever going to have friends again? Right. Let's talk about quitting as it relates to parenting. Mm. Do you have ideas in mind about how you want to navigate the issues of quitting with your kids, especially when it comes to relationships and trying to help them potentially avoid some of the pitfalls that we both experienced? Yes, I would love to somehow impart this knowledge about how it's okay to leave a friendship that's not the best without it being the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I think there's a lot of drama about ending things and leaving things. And I wish we did that better culturally. Yes. I wish we could do it with less hurt on both sides. I wish we could do it with more empathy for the other person's perspective Mm -hmm. that, oh, this isn't serving you. Well, it's not really serving me either. Let's part ways Mm -hmm. with our goodwill intact. Right. I think our instinct is avoidance Mm -hmm. as a way to not hurt feelings instead of finding a way to be both honest and graceful. Right. Yeah. It's hard to do as an adult. It's even harder when you're a kid. Yeah. When you're figuring out all this new social stuff. Mm -hmm. I wish I could impart that to my kids, but I'm not really sure that's possible because it feels like a lesson that is learned best by living through not doing it well. Mm -hmm. And then figuring out what feels better. And like you said, are we still that great at it as adults? I mean, these book clubs that I was in that I was not leaving, this is recent history in my life. Right. It's somewhat related to this, but I read this great Twitter thread about having boundaries recently, and it feels really connected to that graceful quitting. And I would love to be able to pass that along, but I'm not sure that I know how. I'm right there with you on this. I really hope that my kids can understand the fluid nature of friendships and how that isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing that some friends are only in your life for a season Mm -hmm. and that it doesn't devalue the friendship that you had to move on to something else. Right. I could have spared myself a lot of angst if I could have seen that when I was younger. Same. (laughs) I think there are conversations to have around that. 
offering my kids that bigger perspective when the end of the school year feels like an eternity away, it's hard to imagine how you're going to reflect back on your high school friendships when you're 30 right. or 40 or 50 or 60. Totally. And also I have the perspective now that there are friends I had in high school that I didn't keep in touch with for a while, but have come back into my life to be mm. even better friends now in a different way. And you can't know that until you've had it happen to you. Right. And it can feel so devastating at the time. So true. I don't know that I'll be able to help my kids navigate it, but I hope I will at least be able to offer empathy as they try and figure it out themselves. Yeah. And the other thing that I think, you know, this sort of graceful quitting that we're going for, Mm -hmm. both realizing when it needs to happen and then doing it without it being an explosion. I think that we can really do our kids a service if we can model that in our own lives. Mm. And so that's something that I think about a lot with different things that I take on and with friendships and with relationships is how to do that in a way that both serves me and is authentic so that Plum and this new baby that we have coming can watch and maybe take something away from it. Mm Mm-hmm. Another aspect of quitting and kids that comes up is about family policies around activities. Mm, mm -hmm. Do you have any ideas in mind about what your approach will be to that? My ideas are not well formed, I think, in part because we haven't encountered this yet. I mean, it might end up being something like finish the semester or finish the month that we've paid for. And then you have to let your instructor or leader or whoever know. I mean, Mm. that was something that my parents did with me quitting piano was I had to call my piano teacher on the phone and tell her myself Mm -hmm. that they weren't going to do it for me, that it was going to have to be on me since it was a choice that I was making. That was the same for me with gymnastics and violin. And as a very quiet child, it was hard to do that. Uh But I'm glad I did because I think it also gave me this confidence that I can do hard things. Yes, absolutely. So I say that now, but then I can also see situations like if my kid gets in a toxic situation, I want them out of there as soon as possible and I want them to feel okay about that. Mm -hmm. Still definitely thinking a lot about how that will be in our family. Yeah. What are you thinking about for your kids and quitting? It will depend so much on their personalities and what the real situation is. I think it's hard to make a blanket policy because there is a difference between quitting because you're mad you're not good at it, but have only tried it for two weeks and haven't given it a chance. But I am very pro-quitting. And as you said, (laughs) even the idea of we've paid for this so you have to do it, that's the sunk cost, right? You've paid for it whether you force your child to go while they're miserable or not. (laughs) (laughs) And in some cases, you pay for it more. Yes. Mostly, I think I see that as an opportunity to help them weigh the costs Mm. rather than Neil and I deciding, no, you have to stick with it or yes, you can. And really putting the onus on them to make some mistakes around quitting and maybe quit some things they shouldn't. And isn't what we're saying that that's how you learn about making good choices. Yeah. That most people will end up with quitting regrets Mm -hmm. and hopefully their lessons rather than something that takes over your life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The only exception for our family is that swim lessons are non-negotiable until a certain Mm -hmm. level of proficiency. And so far, that has not been an issue that my kids have generally enjoyed them and are happy to be learning that. But even if they're not, 
I will still make them do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end on a lighter note and talk about quitting some littler things. For example, quitting books and TV shows. What is your philosophy on that? So I've mentioned this on the pod before. I am a book quitter. If a book is not fun, enjoyable, etc., I'm probably not going to read it with some exceptions. So I usually will finish a book club book if mm -hmm. I can get through it in a certain amount of time. Sometimes I still don't, though. It's not enough to have the obligation of the friends that are wanting to discuss it with me <laughs> for me to finish. So I am definitely a book quitter. And I'm also a TV show quitter. So the most recent example that I could think of is This Is Us, which is from the creators of Parenthood, which is a show that Andrew and I both loved. Mm. And we were so excited for the new one. I don't know if it was sort of where we are in this season of our lives with early parenting, but there's just so much that is sad in that show. Mm. And we don't watch it anymore. And sometimes I feel regretful because... People talk about that show and it's very popular now. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm missing out. But if we went to, we can always pick it back up. It'll always be there. Right. What about you? I am a recent book quitter. I used to almost never quit books. I've quit right. more books this year than probably in the last decade combined. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> there are so many good books that I want to read. And I usually mm. have a good book that I want to read at home because so many holds are coming in all of the time. Yeah, it's in the stack already. Yes. That if something isn't calling to me, it's much easier for me to put it away and return it because mm -hmm. it's so clear to me that I'd be getting more joy from reading a different book. Totally. I also have quit TV shows. I remember Neil and I watched the first two or three seasons of Mad Men. And then I just thought, mm. I don't like this. This is not enjoyable for me. Yeah, that's another one I've quit. Not enjoyable. One TV show I wish I would have quit is Scandal. <laughs> yeah, I quit Scandal too, friend. You kept mm -hmm. going. I was so I did. impressed. I kept going partly because of all the suspense aspect of it that I right. really felt like I needed closure. But mm -hmm. more crazy stuff just kept happening every episode. And it did make me want to keep going so that I could find out what happened and know instead of wondering. Mm -hmm. But I started having nightmares watching that show, and oh, I no. hated the last season. I would have been much better off if I had stopped, and after a couple weeks, all memories would have slowly filtered out of my mind, and instead, <laughs> I just kept infusing myself with these terrifying images and couldn't sleep because of it. Should have quit. Lesson learned, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> On that note... We'll end our discussion of quitting. Listeners, we would love to hear from you about things you have quit, things you have not quit, from the serious to the lighthearted. Let's finish up by sharing what we've been eating lately. Mine is not a specific food this time, but more about how dinners slash lunches are going in our family lately. Something that's been really working for us is having some very easy dinners, which for us means apple slices, carrot sticks, maybe some frozen corn, <laughs> and usually bean quesadillas or grilled cheese. Nice. Grilled cheese even feels like a little bit too much work for me when I'm going for something really simple. How come? Because of buttering the bread? Yes. I was like, it's not that With different. With the hard stick of butter, it's hard. Oh, we keep our butter at room temp. It makes it much easier. I should switch over to that methodology. And it's felt really nice in terms of not feeling rushed when we get home from school and just knowing mm. we have things that we can throw together. Everyone will eat it. 
it's not a big production. Yeah. The problem with that is that there's not usually leftovers. And so the next day, there's not lunch available for me and Neil to eat, Mm. which has led to more eating out for lunches. Hmm. Interesting. I'm trying to figure out what a good lunch solution would be, but we haven't quite hit on the right thing that works for both of us to keep Mm -hmm. stocked in the fridge to prevent that situation. I'm not a big sandwich eater, so that isn't my favorite go-to. Right. But I'd love easy lunch ideas that people have of things that can just be there so that the easy dinner, it's not one of those things where it's convenient in the moment, but then we're paying for it the next day. Totally. And I'm not quite sure how to solve that. So what has really worked for us is to have pre-prepared servings of rice and beans in a glass Tupperware already in the freezer, lunch ready. Mm -hmm. What we do, you know, when we cook rice and beans, I usually cook so many more rice and beans than we even want to eat that week. Mm -hmm. And then I make these little Tupperwares with rice, a cheese layer, a salsa layer, a bean layer on top, Mm -hmm. freeze them. And then if we don't have anything that's ready to go for lunch, because Andrew also takes leftovers for lunch, he can pull it out and take one of those. I love that idea. I went through a phase a couple years ago where I made a lot of frozen burritos and wrapped them Mm. in foil and had those, and that worked great. But it requires that extra step of pre-planning. Yes. I'll have to think about a time I could dedicate to that to make my life easier later. What have you been eating? I am looking forward to eating roasted cranberry sauce. So we're Mm. recording this before Thanksgiving. I don't think I've ever talked about this roasted cranberry sauce before, but I love it because it's so easy. I think I'm the only one maybe in my family that likes it, but I like it so well that I make it and then just (laughs) eat it all myself, basically. Mm -hmm. But it's fresh cranberries, some orange zest, and some spices, and tons of sugar. And then you just roast it Mm. the day before or Mm -hmm. a couple days before Thanksgiving, and then all the flavors go together. And it makes a cranberry sauce that's the perfect amount of tart and sweet and a little bit spicy because there are cloves in there, and it is just so good. I love to put it on a turkey sandwich after Thanksgiving, especially if you have brie around and you can put brie and turkey Mm. and roasted cranberry sauce. And so I'm just really looking forward to eating that in the next few weeks. That sounds amazing. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. You can find us on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. So one thing that we always try to have is servings of rice and beans already aliquoted in the Mm. freezer. Do you want to say aliquoted? Aliquoted. It's a it's a science word. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> I don't. It means like put it in small. I'll say something else. No, you should say it. Leave it in. Leave your science <laughs> in. I love it. This can just be an outtake.